You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Broadway fans, welcome back to another episode of What's Up Broadway. I'm your host, Diana Prescott, and today is our final episode of the year. In this very special episode, I have both co-hosts, Christian Lewis and Martine Acuna. How are you both today? Good. Super excited. I can't believe how fast 2021 went. Like, I'm super surprised we're already in December. Um, And good. I'm super excited. Awesome. Christian. I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be in the same uh, Zoom room as Martine because we just talk on Twitter constantly and never yeah. get to see each other's faces. <laughs> so it's so good to see you, Martine. And yeah, I cannot believe we've been doing this adorable little podcast for months now. Uh, <laughs> adorable. I love, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Aww, I love you both so much. Because it's our final episode of the year, we have a phenomenal guest with us today. Robin De Jesus, clap it up. Hey, what up, Rose? How y'all doing? Good. Congratulations on all the recent success. Much deserved for Tick, Tick, Boom. How are you today, Robin? Thank you. Thank you. I'm well. I'm well. I'm enjoying the day. I got a a good view while I'm talking to y'all in front of me. <laughs> you know what? It's it's a there's abundance in the air, and I intend to sop up as much as much of it as possible. Awesome. Well, Christian is going to start off this interview with us and take it away, Christian. All right. I'm going to take us back just a little bit because I'm a huge fan of your work from the Boys in the Band. So I wanted to just pick your brain a little bit about that. So I just really, really loved getting to see you in Boys in the Band. Both I got to see it on stage and both on the screen adaptation. So I just wanted to know what was it like doing both? And did you like adapt or change any parts of your performance when you were going from the Broadway iteration to the filmed version? Sure. That process was rough. <laughs> now, how's that for a soundbite? Uh, no, that 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 creative process was rough for me personally. It wasn't. It wasn't the production. It wasn't the cast. Like everything, everything was great. But over the years, I, I've kind of done a, a post mortem on that period, and I think I've been able to like clock it more as what it was. But for me, starting out as a queer person of color in this business, and having worked in predominantly diverse spaces my like my first two Broadway shows were Rant and then Heights and and so like as I got more successful the rooms got whiter or got less inclusive or both but then also I felt like this cultural divide and 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 it wasn't anything crazy but it was like then I started noticing that like the more intense the rooms got where I worked the more successful I got the more sort of othered I felt and also like the more insecure I was becoming. And so um, that, sorry, I'm just gonna take a breath a second cause I think I'm downloading something and I don't know what it is yet. Mm. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So getting that character ultimately what, what helped me find him was clocking that even though I come from a place of scarcity, it was different in that period. And so in all my frustrations and all my insecurity that I was going through, I had to just sort of like really get through to what was Emery's sadness and trauma. And, and, and once I really, really realized how privileged I was comparatively, it sort of made me go, oh, there's this other room of emotional accessibility that I wasn't 
wasn't like leaning into. Performances came and I felt less insecure, but it, it, it was still there. And I was getting love, but it was that thing of like, I don't really, with Emery, I never actually felt in control of him. Like he's the one character I have to say where some days I didn't know what was gonna, what was gonna happen or, or if I gave a good show. People told me I did, so I'll, I'll take their word for it. I'll take that, you know? <laughs> but that's not how I'm used to working. And, and by the time we got to the shooting the actual film, what was really great was for everyone, not just myself, was that it was a year later, but we pretty much remembered our lines. Like we, <laughs> we, only, we, we had pages for like a couple of days, but like it was like super easy, just the muscle memory of it all. And there was a relaxation. And Jim Parsons and Matt Bomer would always say, I want to do a Broadway run before every movie I shoot from now on because there wasn't ease. So it was, it was great that I didn't have to come with that, that weight from, from the show. Um, but then what was also interesting shooting the movie was m a lot of my Emery didn't change. There was something he, you know, he is larger than life. He is over the top. And, and I don't know, I think, I think there's something about my particular style of acting, I don't know if it's for everyone, where I feel like I don't really have to change much from stage to film. I don't, I don't even really think about it other than if the camera is not where I thought it was, I, I'm, I'm playing to the camera. So like, you know, if it's on a different angle, then maybe that'll, you know, will change the attitude and the sauce that I bring. <laughs> Mm -hmm. That was a long-winded version. No, <laughs> I, I love that. And you actually are getting into something that I wanted to talk to you a bit about more where you say like, oh, it was great to have that muscle memory. So tick, tick, boom. Amazing. I loved doing this so much. Thank so you. how is it doing a theater piece, but for film, but like not having had the like nice theatrical run to like have that muscle memory? How did it feel doing a theater piece for film, like for the first time you're doing this? I mean, there is a comfort that you get from doing a Broadway run beforehand because it's it's so in in your body, and 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 you feel like you've explored every route that that character could take. Although that being said, even with Boys in the Band, it was funny. I felt like I knew all of those scenes inside and out, but I always felt present enough to receive any new information that I might get. And so maybe that actually is the one thing that's different: is my interactions with the cast might change because. I might not get to connect with them the way I did on Broadway because it doesn't make the, 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 the cut. But with Tick Tick, we had about three months of rehearsals leading up to, to filming prior to the pandemic shutting us down. When we went back, we also had to go back and rehearse like a month and a half again to clean up. But that rehearsal process kind of ended up being a run because even three months is more than a Broadway show really. And, and, and the screenplay is so different than, than the show that it kind of felt like its own thing too. Um, what was interesting was the rehearsal process for the dance numbers. Mm -hmm. That was very different. Um, there was a lot of, you know, there's the bigger budgets now. So me and, <laughs> me and Andrew each get a person that like is in charge of just us and, and working one-on-one -on -one with us. And so that allows me a certain, a certain amount of comfort. That said, my number in the movie, No More, was really hard. I mean, we worked our asses off for that number. And one of the reasons it was difficult was because the choruses were, were shot, like it was like a special effect. So if you notice, we're moving in slow motion, but my lyrics to the song, my lip syncing and the music is still in real time. And in order to create that effect, we had to shoot like four times the speed. We called oh, wow. it double time, but it wasn't double time. It was more than double time. So you had to sped up, know how to lip sync, act, and do the choreography. Choreography that was intended to be interesting in slow motion. And now you're trying to do it like, <laughs> it was so discriminatory. It was so terrible. Um, it was so, but, but, but ultimately when we shot it, it was super duper fun. Um, but it was nice compared to like a Broadway show to, to, to clock. Okay. This, this number is really, really difficult, but being a principal on a movie for Netflix now, which I wasn't used to, it's like, oh, I can just call this one person that's meant to focus simply on me and help me really work through this. 
So I guess that was really the, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the money. <laughs> the money. Well, all that very hard work on your song paid off, even though you had to do it in uh, double, triple military tapping style. Yeah. <laughs> so having having done both now quite a bit of film and stage do you like have a preference I know you feel like your acting style adapts really well and translates really well and I totally agree but is there one that you prefer I just moved you in the gallery because I was like I want to look at all of you (laughs) Um, I was like I felt I felt I felt bad I'm gonna I'm gonna be so terrible and ask you to no problem question again no problem Mm -hmm. Uh, all of our beautiful faces are too distracting um (laughs) so just like now that you've done quite a bit of stage and quite a bit of film acting and the budget's different and the time is different rehearsal process is different is there one that you feel like you're starting to like prefer more or do you just want to like keep doing both because you're great at both I want it all and thank you I I, I appreciate what you said and I'm affirming yes <laughs> <laughs> I I, I want to do it all I I don't I don't think I don't think we've ever had to choose one or the other I think someone made that up and and it's weird because you look and every decade there there are actors that go in both worlds. So I don't I don't know what that what that's about. For me, I go where the characters are. And you know, film has taken me in the last couple of years mostly because Broadway's a little late to calling out white supremacy compared to other businesses, to, to, to other uh, mediums. Yeah, and so it's like this weird thing of like I always in theater I felt more seen before because I felt there was more diversity. And diversity in the way that I wanted to be seen also, because the thing is in film and TVAC will work if I was, you know, cook number two, three, four, fifteen. But but in theater, I got to play full-bodied characters and 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 good roles. And so now it's like there's been a, the inverse has happened. Like Hollywood has has realized that they have to make changes. There or there are more black and brown folks that have been given positions of power, and the trickle-down effect it's it's kicked in. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, it's about the character. Like, I, I just want to play really great roles and I want to do really good work. And I, I'm very intentional about the kind of work that I want to do and the roles that I want to play. And so if there's an alignment with my intentions and opportunity, then I'm there, no matter mm-hmm. the medium. I, I love that. And last, just because we've debated it a lot on this pod, do you at all have a stance, and it's fine to say both, about like, film adaptations of stage productions versus like wanting more pro shots since you got to more like pro shots of like production, like just filming how it is on stage, getting to like see how the stage version feels. Oh, I want it all. I want it. I want it all because like, listen, I'll watch if someone makes a musical version of uh, a feature film of of Peter Pan, I'll watch that and I'll watch Kathy Rigby do it live. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I don't, I don't even think we need to be limited. Like we could have it all. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. We're going to move it to Martin. He has some great questions ready for you. (laughs) I love that you just mentioned visibility and representation, specifically of the Latin and LGBTQ plus community, because you fought this back to back. How do you think we can increase it on both Broadway and Hollywood? Not now that you mentioned that flip. Hmm. I think the way we make it multiply is by contributing and participating in a collective consciousness. Hmm. Because mm-hmm. like we all have to be, one of the things that I've been saying lately is there's like a social justice fatigue in the air. Mm. And I get it cause I'm tired. And like, I have days where I'm just like, I can't, I cannot watch the news. I need to watch like just plant videos and like <laughs> play with my plants. You know, I was like, that, that, that's where I, that, that, that's what helps my sanity. But, but I also clock that white supremacy presents itself as fatigue. Mm. And there's a difference between us needing a mental health break from social justice and us giving ourselves an excuse to no longer participate in it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like figuring out that dance, which one's which, and knowing that sometimes what you know it it is for you might not present that way to someone else. And so maybe there's like someone else might, but that's their shit, not yours, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like that desire to participate. We We need to keep that alive. I also think that when it comes to people 
to Latine folks and, and queer folks, just, just all groups that are othered, that when we do get to positions of power, that we have to be willing to say no. And we have to be willing to not take on certain jobs if they promote transgressive behavior. Mm. And so, you know, I had recently, there was a conversation about uh, uh, a border story that I was asked to audition for. And, and, and I reduce it to that because it was written by, it was like all white team. <laughs> and I was like, you're not even uh, right now going to include an explanation as to why that is. Like, I, I just, I, w- I want to know if, if you are do if you are telling a POC story and it can be done, Michael Arden has done it beautifully. You know, it, it, it can be done. There is a way. And he came in with an attitude of like, I want to, I, I recognize I'm a white man. I recognize my privilege. And like, so please call me out and I'm going to bring in folks from black culture to also, you know, guide this experience. But I forgot where I was going. I'm so sorry. But what, I, oh, this, I, I remember now. So I feel like if, if, if you're a white creative team and you're telling a story uh, that's, that's a POC story, A, question why there's no one POC on your creative side. But then if you choose to pursue it anyway, I want an explanation. I want to know why you think that in the climate that we're in, <laughs> You think that's okay. I, I, I just, I feel like I deserve an explanation and that it should be in the breakdown. Mm. I want it presented up front. I want to, I want to know what you're about and why you feel like I, cause it's hard for us to go into these spaces where they're trying to tell our stories, but we're not in the, in the place of power to like sort of have opinions on those stories and to make them more authentic. Um, but I also think, that for someone like me, who, when it comes to theater, I'm not in this place yet film wise, but like if I'm presented with a job opportunity and there's something wrong in my, in my negotiation process, I need to go, no, I, this won't fly with me. Like I can't participate in this, this, and it needs to be in the contract. And we have to be willing to walk away from work because at the end of the day, like POCs coming out of college, trying to pay their bills and audition, you know, showing up at 5am for, for the open call, like they can't. They, I mean, they can, they absolutely can, but they're coming in in a position that is seemingly compromised. So I think it only fair for those of us that have experienced a little more abundancy to use the platform for some good. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. And I love all of your answers um, because you have been a Latinx beacon of inspiration. Um, I am Colombian. I'm recording long distance from Bogota, Colombia. Mm. So I, it's, it's inspiring to see you not only on TikTok, but you received a Tony nomination for In the Heights. You, rec- you received a Drama Desk Award for that same show. And you overall on the work that I've seen you in, you've been truly true to that Latin heritage you have. So what do you think are your two cents about breaking in the industry mm. for those down here in Latin American countries? And breaking into the industry in, in, in your home country or in the U.S.? There, <laughs> in the U.S. In the U.S., yeah. yeah. Because that's where, where most of us want to end up working. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing that comes up for me is community. Like I feel people, people are always so focused. Issa Rae talks about this big time and I, and I love it. Um, she talks about, I, I, what did I call, name it the other day? I, I called it the, uh, the collective come up or something like that. Um, she talks about how people are always trying to get to that position to get to the person in a position of power to give them a job. And so you're always trying to climb the, the social or whatever the, the ladder is, right? And, and she says, but no, take a look at who's coming up with you. Like when you first get to New York, take classes, uh, go see shows, 
find the groups online of like, there's groups for, there's, you can find groups for people of color in theater, for playwriting, lo que sea, Ola exists. There are all these organizations, Backstage Magazine. But when you go to these spaces where you're trying to um, develop your craft and audition, make friends, get to know people and like, and see who you really fuck with. Like who, but who's really good for you and who you know is really about the work. Like don't get caught up in all the other shit that's distracting, but like take note and align yourself with those people. Because what's gonna happen over the years is that someone's gonna get a break. And instead of worrying about getting to that one person in that big, big room, it's like, what if the person you came up with gets the break and passes it on to you so that we're all taking care of everyone that's coming up with us. It's, it's, I, I feel like being community oriented only serves us only. And it, and it also helps us in the conversation we were having before about social justice, because it allows us to form a wall. It allows us to come in with like really, really great numbers. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And, these two here have been my community this year and I am so grateful for that. And I have found in them what you were saying about how we are breaking together into the industry and how we are supporting each other. Um, and as, as Christian said at the start of the episode, we have never been in the same room and we just talk tweet each other and it's just a community um that we have and i am here for it I my love last it. question yeah, yeah and i might and add I something it. later on oh i might I, 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 I might add something later on okay okay my last question for you is what is the most important part of portraying a latino character in either film or stage for you mm. only maybe more so I'm saying this right now at this moment because my last two films were period pieces. But as a Latino man, as Latino men, we've been so erased from period pieces and especially even, even more so queer pieces. So the importance of inserting me into 1968 with Boys in the Band, the importance of, you know, acknowledging by just my presence, the colonialism that happened in HIV narratives, because all we ever get are stories about white gay men with HIV, but what about the black and brown men and women and queer folks mm -hmm. and, the, and, and, you know, crack epidemic was huge. Those stories are also worth telling and without judgment, without, with just humanity. And also the lesbian death doulas, <laughs> you know, that, that took care of all these gay men on their final breaths. And so, I feel like the, the thing that, that really sticks out for me that I'm most proud of and that I try to line up with with my recent work is like, I'm very aware that, I, that for whatever reason, the universe has given me, the, has allowed me to insert my ancestors into the spaces that they deserve but didn't get to have in their own lifetimes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, those are such great questions. I don't know how to follow up with that. Um, <laughs> um, well, one thing is you've become a, a frequent collaborator with Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is now like a titan in musical theater. How did that relationship start? Um, and, you know, the progress, talk, talk me through the progress of that relationship and building stories with him. I don't even know if I've ever said this story on like any sort of platform, but Lynn said it socially because it, it was so inappropriate of me. I, was, I met Lynn when I was 20. And, and the first thing I said to him, because I thought it was funny. Whenever, I, whenever I, in my youth, and even still, but more so in my youth, I was, it was more problematic. When I was nervous, 
I would like, I would make an inappropriate joke. And it was like a way for me to just like distract myself from my nerves or whatever. And so I'm introduced to him and I go, oh my God, it's such a pleasure to meet you. You want to make out? <laughs> and I literally leaned, like I leaned in two inches with my tongue out as a joke. And he just, and like everyone I met that summer from Heights, that's how I introduced myself to them. Wow. And it was this massive joke until Nancy Tico thing. I'm just throwing this in this little story. Nancy Tico thing one day got so fed up with it that she went in and kissed me. And I was, and she was like, ah, babe, sigue jugando, keep playing, sigue jugando. <laughs> so that's how I met Lynn initially. I was not able to read the script to Heights because the O'Neill Center, which was where I did my first reading of it, they, it was, it's about the, it's about the writer, the whole experience there. It's about them hearing the story. So you either decide to participate, participate in it or not. I just spit like big time. (laughs) And I wish to keep this video. And I didn't get the script. I didn't get to hear the music. I did an audition for it. It was offered to me because like some of them had seen camp, my only credit for like two, three years. And something weird happened where like when we, when we, when we sat to do that first table read, Lynn started rapping the songs and it was like, whoa, we've never experienced this before. And like, like the sauce coming from the sauce. You know, like the fact that it, that Lynn's writing a story because it's his people's story, you know, so the flavor is a little different. And, and, and it was messy, like there were problems, but you knew the show was anointed. In Spanish, they say, tenia un don. And, and, and like, you, you felt that way. You, don't, you didn't know what was gonna happen. With me and Lynn, I just assumed like, oh, I'm gonna have to audition again. And they never made me audition again for Heights. And a lot of people did have to. It, and I think he just, Lynn sort of, we speak a similar language. And so I, I feel like, I feel like it's kind of easy for him to write for me actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then over the years I've auditioned for him and, and, and not gotten jobs. You know, I've auditioned for several roles in Hamilton. I've auditioned for like other films and stuff like that. With this, it was like, I got the audition. I knew I wanted, I, had, I was manifesting a subtle character that was grounded, that allowed me to showcase maturity that would be, you know, a complete contradiction to Emery and Boys in the Band. And, and when this showed up, I was like, yo, this is it. But they probably gonna cast like some singer who's, who's gonna become an actor. And that's the beauty of Lin using his platform to like aid his brother because he, he fought for me to, to like stay in there and to, and to like, and I think we also helped each other, you know, like it's his first time directing and having a friend to look at. And there's a comfort. I, I think, I think we both helped each other in many ways. And, and he, he wrote me a letter afterwards that did say that, that there were moments where he was stressed or overwhelmed, but he could look at me and see a familiar face, face that's family. And I, I sang at his wedding, you know? Wow. There, there's, there's, there's a certain level of love and protection and safety that we provide one another with. Um, and, and, and that protection extends itself to the point where in all of my insecurities, because I was very insecure at the top of this process and during Boys in the Band, you know, he never affirmed or confirmed any of my insecurities. If anything, the way Lynn comes in with such love and such joy and respect of, of what we're doing, it's like, it pulls you away from whatever um, unhelpful narrative you might be forming with your ego. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also to be able to be like, yo papi, papito, que te, que te hace falta? Like to be able to speak Spanish, to be multilingual on set and to not be judged by it, to not feel my inner colonizer voice go, that's not your professional, that's not your professional voice. Mm-hmm. To just be able to, to experience liberation in that way. Um, it's just, it's, yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. The professional voice, that's a, another topic we're going to have to go into <laughs> later at a later time. Um, <laughs> Tick, Tick, Boom is such a love letter to the theater community. Like it's a great film, but it's, this, I feel like it was made for us. Um, how important was it for you to be a part of that? You know, you have such a illustrious stage career, but like this film you is like. Jump, I just wanted a job. From like in the beginning, I was like, I just want a job. I want a fierce job. I want to work with fierce people. But then it was so funny. Like it wasn't until the callback that I was that I said, Robin, you have such a. This is so full circle. Like I was just so caught up in the job 
that I wasn't realizing how fortunate I was to like, I got my Broadway debut from Jonathan Larson. I made friendships there that I have to this day that honestly, like the friendships that I made in Rent are the ones that, how do I word this? They're the ones that encourage a different kind of consciousness. They're the ones that encourage um, different sort of social rules and like, cause, cause back in the day, like if, I, like if I got mad at you, the hood would come out. <laughs> I would, I would get real ratchet, hands up in the air, faceography, you know. But like, even, even the way I dealt with conflict after rent was so different because those friends just taught me another way of being. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so, so when I clocked that, it was just like, whoa, how cool would this be if it actually happened? And also, I know that I want to honor Jonathan. I know that I'm coming with with the integrity that he deserves. And I don't want no other motherfucker coming in here that, (laughs) you know, claiming land and shit that isn't theirs. Um, That part. (laughs) This land is your land. (laughs) This land is, let me stop. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was just, it was, it was, it was really beautiful. And and to see also now, and then I'll shut up because I ramble, but like, even now, I, I, I know that that space was meant for me in the love I received from my rent family. Like the DMs and the text messages. And when I see them, the rent folks are just love and light. And, and they're just so happy because there is a people really, people in rent really revere Jonathan. There Mm -hmm. is a, there is a devout respect for him. And, and it's really beautiful to, for whatever reason, be the person that gets to receive the messages that are an affirmation of the beauty that Jonathan created. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And lastly, and then we will, you know, let you go. Um, off topic, what theater have you been excited about in the recent past or the recent future? Like something that you're like, I have to get out, make time for this show. Ooh, Carolina Change must be seen. I it's my favorite musical ever. I haven't seen this new production. I I like I can't wait. I cannot wait. That show changed my life. Mm. Um, I also like I'm excited now to see if there's a consciousness to support more black and brown theater. So I'm really excited to see whatever that first production is going to be at the Puerto Rican Traveling Theater Company on 47th Street. I got to do mm. the first reading there, which was so beautiful but like i want to see now if yes yes the 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 pwis out there are gonna they're they're implementing changes you know to create more equity mm-hmm. but i think it's also important that we go and support the folks that have been doing it <laughs> beforehand mm-hmm. and that are up for and by the people mm-hmm. um, i'm uh- excited for that Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it so much. Thank you. May I add one more thing? Yes, go ahead. Always. Carly, I <laughs> don't mind. Um, let me know if anything. I just, I want to add an addendum. It's kind of related to what Martin and I were talking about when we're talking about like advice to, to folks coming in. But it, I, I, I say that in the sense of like, it's important to know that this conversation is existing when you're coming in from another country. But I also say this to the rest of the group, you know, when it comes to representation, I want us to be really, really conscious of what diversity and inclusivity looks like and how it presents. And I want us to be really conscious as non-Black POCs that you catch the fact that there's a world in which the way our agents and our reps are wording things, Mm -hmm. that they're intending to pit non-Black POCs against Black folks. Mm -hmm. Because the Broadway industry is confused and they think that diversity means only hiring black folks. And so then the other POCs aren't getting involved, but then non-black POCs are like, now we got issues with black folks. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Black folks deserve their lane. They've been here, they got it. What we're saying is we need multiple lanes. This is a multi-lane highway. Mm -hmm. So please don't take the white supremacist bait and throw shade at black folks. And for the white folks out there, Please stop telling your black and brown friends that you're having a harder time booking work because we're booking it. Oh, that's all. 
that part drop mic <laughs> and i mean that just goes back to like broadway having a massive diversity problem and thinking they can fix it with like one thing like mm-hmm. we were going to cast more black people and that solves all of broadway's all problems. the issues and it's like it is a lot more complicated than that mm-hmm. and we haven't even gotten to gender accessibility <laughs> yeah like there's other shit to get to so like yeah. stop acting is a one-lane highway mm-hmm. yeah. period because y'all got multiple Yeah. Thank you so much, Robin. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's get into some Broadway breaking news. So we are literally just gathering here today because it's our final episode. So it's not like a traditional show for us. Um, What breaking news have you seen over (laughs) social media? I know Christian you tweeted about this the other day. What is happening? I did tweet about this the other day because when I was at uh, Kimberly Akimbo, which I mm-hmm. cannot recommend highly enough, everyone, mm-hmm. please go Bonnie, see this and get it to Bonnie. Broadway. <laughs> Bonnie Milligan, Victoria Clark, Janine Jasori, David Linthia Bear. The only Ooh. four names you need to hear. Go see this. <laughs> um, there was a delay at intermission because of a set malfunction and me being me, I went on Twitter and found out that there was also set issues at Moulin Rouge. There was a delay for something at Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes, I was there. There was company has had pretty major set malfunctions in the past couple of days. We've had several shows, including Wicked, have to cancel some performances because of COVID. Patty Lapone called out of company because of a non-COVID related illness. There has been a lot of issues and even outside Broadway, I heard Paradise Square was having set Mm -hmm. troubles in Chicago. Like there was something in the air and people on Twitter had a lot of fun with it. We were joking about, is this the ghost of Stephen Sondheim? Is this the ghost (laughs) of Princess Diana? Is this the Phantom of the Opera? It was a fun time, but I really hope that uh, uh, everyone's sets gets fixed and everyone stays safe and everyone like gives the tech people the time that they need. Don't get mad at tech delays. It keeps everyone safe. It keeps mm-hmm. everything running smoothly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, For sure. There were a bunch of photos and videos that I caught wind of before they were quickly deleted. Um, especially there was a Moulin Rouge photo that showed like <laughs> the, like, <laughs> I don't know what to call it. It was like a big glass that like broke off and then, um, we know what happened at company, which was, you know, it, it, thank goodness Katrina Link is safe, but it could have gone very wrong. And so, yeah. listen, take the 15 minute delay with Grace. Um, anything else happening, Martine? This is not Broadway, Broadway. This is on the West End, but mm-hmm. Anything Goes will be broadcasted by the BBC. and. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it's been a year for either live streaming, pro shots, musical movies, broadcast, and I am here for it. Uh, Listen, we were fed this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, let's talk about that. Like, pro shots. I have the list. Pro shots and films. Like, okay, Martine, you run run it down (laughs) for us. So this year we got In the Heights movie. We got Dear Evan Hansen movie. We got The Cinderella that, ah, but it's there. (laughs) We got Tick, Tick, Boom that it blew the roof away. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, it's just, I'm just waiting for Oscars because it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna take them all. For sure. We got Jamie, another film. Um, and we got the Come From Away pro shot and Diana pro shot. And we're going to get the broadcast of Anything Goes. And we got Annie Live. <laughs> and uh, West Side Story that I, and yes. and I got to see at a screening the other day. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it this week. Like, Good. every single day I'm calling to the movie theater like, hey, um, does the pre-sale is open right now? No, we don't have it. Um, okay, bye. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, yeah, it's my plan for a Thursday or a Friday. <laughs> Good. And as much as I'm all about streaming and not wanting to leave my house or pay for things, West Side Story, everyone, if you want to go see West Side Story, you have to go see it in a theater 
I think it's like probably one of the largest orchestras in like a modern movie musical. Mm -hmm. And that's surround sound. It is gorgeous. My boyfriend is a composer. He like cried just because it sounded so beautiful in a movie theater. Like, I can't wait for you to experience that, Martine. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm just Ariana DeVos. My... I mean, the moment she opens her mouth, it's like the melodies that come up out of her being are top notch but also like a boy like that I've always liked the song but like this rendition the musical arrangement is a little different and it was so good like I think I that song heard... is always such a powerhouse because it's just like the probably the two most talented people in the cast usually right. just getting to like very fiercely sing at each other and mm -hmm. point Rachel and Ariana like perfect here perfect I it's haven't like my even favorite. heard the soundtrack because oh, of that. Listen. I'm just, yeah, no. I'm waiting to experience it on, on the movie theater. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And wow, I'll be live tweeting. So yes. promise. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wait, you're going to live tweet from a movie theater, Martine? <laughs> from a movie theater? Yes. From the theater theater? Probably not. <laughs> Let, let's hope an usher doesn't yell at you or yeah. you're like the only one in the screening. <laughs> <laughs> Have your phone really dark. Um, on that note, we're going to get into, again, this is not a traditional episode. We're going to get into like what we were happy about this year and what we're looking forward to in 2022. Okay, you both. What was the best theater? I know, Martine, you, you're like limited, right, to pro shots. Okay, well, next year we got you because you're coming to, yes. to New York. But what was your best piece of theater? So whatever pro shots you think are the best that you've seen so far. Well, Technic Boom, obviously. But mm -hmm. Ayana, I still watch it like every, <laughs> every other week. <laughs> Diana, we love, I mean... Christian, I don't, I don't know your full thoughts on Diana yet. I feel like you tweeted it, but I don't know your full thoughts. But I know for me, it was so much fun. Like, I also had, they have this specialty drink called <laughs> The Prince. It's like bourbon, um, ginger ale, and something else. Um, and it put me in the right space. And they just tweeted um, a, a drinking, drinking game. game. Yes. They, yeah. Yes, the Diana... Twitter account is the best Twitter account I've ever seen, but they like tweeted out a drinking game that is going to put their audience completely over the top. Um, One because, of the like, items is, is like when a camera flashes and I was I like, I'm which is drunk in the opening number. Just like shots as soon as it starts. Which is also like, like, there's one about costume changes and you're just going to be yeah. like blackout by intermission. And it's like, I mean, it's also perfect. Like you want to see that show with a drink i mean i saw it with several drinks um <laughs> I, I danny and i did brunch and then we saw spencer and then right. we got dinner that had quite a bit of prosecco and then we went to diana we did a whole day um and i feel like that was the way to do both of those experiences was like with a lot of mimosa prosecco <laughs> happening both of them spencer and diana need multiple drinks noted <laughs> how about you christian what did you enjoy this year i enjoyed like getting for i enjoyed experimental theater getting to have bigger stages and bigger audiences i both liked mm -hmm. it in pandemic getting to see like fake friends productions really blow up speaking of this american wife is getting another streaming week so go see it mm -hmm. um but i just really loved uh Dana H and is this a room getting to be on Broadway that was both like my favorite things that I saw but also just like really meaningful for me that those shows got to be on Broadway and I've been super happy also that New York Theater Workshop for Sanctuary City and Christina Wong two plays that I love also got put on streaming I just want more people to see more types of theater in particular these more like experimental form pushing plays that like I want people to see that. I mean, I'm also like obsessed with getting to see fun new musicals like Six and really mm -hmm. inventive revivals of things we need. Trouble in Mind has just been like really sitting with me and I loved that play so much. But like, mm -hmm. we just got to have a lot of great theater and a lot of new types of theater and more people seeing theater, which has made me really happy. Mm -hmm. um, I have to totally agree with you, Christian. Um, my favorite thing about this season so far is 
the diversity of playwrights. Um, and so we've gotten some major, major works, and this is on Broadway and off, um, from Black community, LGBTQ community, um, like mind-blowing works. My favorite so far, I mean, I have multiple, but Selling Kabul is like a show that I have not gotten off of my mind since I've seen it. Um, and that's off Broadway at Playwrights Horizon. So if you have not seen it, I think you need to take the time, but also like the downtown theater moving uptown. I totally agree. Not because I'm a part of it, but because I think this is the way to go for the new Broadway that we're thinking of. Um, and Dana H, is this a room? I mean, they speak for themselves, such powerful plays. Um, and then I liked like Thoughts of a Colored Man. Like that's another play that I thought spoke directly to a community that has not been heard on Broadway. Um, and, you know, I've said this on Twitter a number of times, but the plays this season have definitely outweighed the musicals. There are fun musicals that are, you know, in the works that are off-Broadway running, but the plays have really been the showstoppers for me. Um, so like Selling Kabul, Colored Water, all of these like beautiful, meaningful, powerful plays have gotten the productions that they deserve. And so I cannot wait for them to like have longevity or travel so that more people can see it. Yeah, and uh, even like what we have coming up, I mean, we have How I Learned to Drive, we have Skin of Our Teeth, we have Skeleton Crew, like, this is the season of the play. Like, I'm I'm mm -hmm. here for it. I'm yeah. definitely, like, a, a musical fan at heart, so hardcore, and I know, Martine, you are too. But, like, I'm just so happy that this, some seasons it feels like we're scraping the barrel to get, like, a best play or best revival of a play, even <laughs> nominees out there. But this season, stacked, and I'm so happy about that. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember the last time we had such a powerful season full of plays and I cannot remember it, like multiple plays. Mm -hmm. I feel like musical theater has gotten its just due and this season has really knocked their socks off with the collection of plays. I feel like every Broadway producer just sat in one big room and said, hey, let's curate the best season of plays. And that's really? what was done. And I yeah. think it's been a very dramatic shift that we've had so many musicals in the past mm -hmm. few years and this year that are like adaptations of old movies that are a little cringy now or tons of jukebox or like we, we need some uh, new original scores and new original mm -hmm. plot lines in the musical world. And that's getting to feel a little tired, but the plays are just really taking off. And so musical theater, catch up catch up. On that note, we're going to get into what we're looking forward to in 2022. So I know at the top of this year, you know, we were all antsy waiting for theater to come back. And I remember a tweet that I had put out. I said, what's everyone's first show back? Because we thought that like, I don't know. I had, well, I thought that all shows were just going to open at one time. Right. <laughs> and so everyone was retweeting, like, I'm going to see company first or whatever. Um, what was your first show back and what are you looking forward to in 2022? Christian, why don't you start us off? First show back on the Broadway or on the, the Broadway. general? On the <laughs> on Broadway, the Broadway. Uh, me and I think uh, a lot of the, the critic people, first show back was Passover and just like, thank God. That was just like a, a perfect way to usher us back in. It was like a beautiful theatrical slap in the face of like, things are going to be different now. Mm -hmm. And this is not the Broadway that we left behind. This is a new Broadway. It was a, like a, a baptism. It was a great way to start. So just use mm -hmm. some, some Bible metaphors here. Um, as for next season things, I'm really excited for some plays that I love that I'm going to get to see stage for the first time or for the first time on Broadway in particular, how I Learned to Drive and For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide, which is like, mm. thank God, just both of those. And then I'm just like a sucker for musicals and Beanie Feldstein. So I, I'm I'm here for Funny Girl. I've never got to see Funny Girl on stage. I'm ready for it. Mm -hmm. Same. Um, we'll end with you, Martine. So I'm going to go. Um, my first show back was Passover because... <laughs> A great year for me. Um, I was a co-producer on that show, but also like that was an important show for me to like really re-enter the Broadway. Um, 
off-Broadway, it was funny enough for Masara with Jackie Hoffman, which I thought was hilarious. And I don't want us to forget about that show. If you didn't see it, sorry, it was such a funny show. But also Jackie Hoffman is like queen of comedy. Um, what am I looking forward to? I'm also looking forward to For Colored Girls. Um, I saw it at The Public and I was flawed. I was just like, oh my goodness, this is this is a play that needs to be seen, not specifically for Broadway, but needs to like travel. And so I'm very happy that it's coming to the Broadway. Um, also Funny Girl. I mean, this is the first revival. How important is that? And Beanie, rightfully so, perfectly casted. Um, I can't wait to see the entire cast <laughs> and that announcement. Um, but yeah, there's just so much coming. And I feel like this season was like action packed and it's only going to get better. And I know, Martine, you are coming to New York. So what is your first show going to be when you come back? I don't know yet. Well, I got tickets for a show. I don't think this is Broadway, but I'll go see no more. I'll go see see no more. Um, Black I no more. To see it. Black no more or see no more? No, see no more. Oh, okay. Yeah, at the McKittrick Hotel. There's this like weird oh, experimental. Okay. Yes. Experience. yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, mm -hmm. that one. I got Immersive. tickets for that one. Yeah. Um, but in musicals, I want to take my family to Moulin Rouge. Like my mm -hmm. dad loves the big spectacle mm -hmm. uh, and dance numbers and big productions. So I think he will really enjoy Moulin Rouge. Uh, but I might get away and see whatever I can see. Like go to a box <laughs> office and be like, what's the cheapest ticket you have? Credit card, go. I don't care. <laughs> I'll pay that later. <laughs> Shout out to box offices and their no fees. We love that. We love um, that. Also, just like Martine, let Ayana and I know these dates and we'll just like give you whatever plus ones we have. Cause like yeah, we want you to see sure. all the theater while you're all here. All the stuff. Obviously, all the I would things. love that. Yes. Yeah. Christian, what do you have lined up for this week? Any shows? Um, you and I are both seeing company this week. Finally. Uh, so I'm very excited for that. And just to give I'm my so jealous. <laughs> just to give my myself a little plug here, uh, later this week or next week, I'm gonna have an essay coming out where I'm gonna be talking about um a lot of gender and sexuality things on Broadway, including Jagged Little Pill Company and Mrs. Doubtfire. It'll be in American Theater magazine. So keep out for that. And then the last show I am seeing before I Flee the City for Christmas is Flying Over Sunset, which I'm very excited for. I just have to say that I'm seeing Flying Over Sunset before I take a flight and this, I couldn't have <laughs> planned it so much better. Um, I know that Flying Over Sunset has nothing to do with airlines. I hear that it has to do with the other type of flight, um, but we, <laughs> will, <laughs> we, will, we will see it. I've heard great things. So I'm excited about that. Very excited about company. Um, I'm seeing Sister's show at 54 Below on oh, Tuesday. Jealous. Oh, I'm seeing Peppermint tonight at Joe's Pub. Oh, we love Very that. Very excited for that. We love that. Um, and yeah, uh, Martine, you have to get to New York so we can get yeah. you into this. So on that note, we're going to get into our fan Q&A. Okay, because this is not a traditional show. If you could insert your own production into this season to make it the best season ever, what show production would that be? I love that Christian and I just were, were like, what? <laughs> Our faces? <laughs> what? <laughs> Oof. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go. This is a really hard one. I don't have like a, a cast, but I've been talking nonstop with all of my friends about like, Okay, in light of the late great Stephen Sondheim's death, mm. who you all got to cry about together, but I did not get to cry about oh, on this podcast. Sorry. Um, it's okay, I'm crying about it now. <laughs> um, is like what's the next like revival that will happen? Because we already have company happening and we have assassins happening. So like there's gonna be more, obviously, now. And the one and we have an encore's city center into the woods that's happening mm -hmm. in the spring, but the thing that I want a giant, new, cool take, fun cast on is a little night music. 
Mm. And so if I was to add anything right now, surprise revival for this season, it would be a cool, very different, fun cast production of Night Music, maybe starring Audra McDonald, because why not? Oh, I like that. Because it's Audra. Okay, producers listening to this show, I know you listen. You heard Christian. (laughs) What about you, Martine? I think I would love to do a new revival of Next to Normal. Um, It's a show I love. It's a show that's very deep to my heart. Um, But I would do a little bit of changes. I wouldn't... I would love more diversity and equity and inclusion in the show. I think Mm -hmm. it can open a really big door. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would just love to cast LaShawns and Celia as the mother-daughter relationship there. I think it would be bomb. And That is... Yeah. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Martine, I need to get you a job as a casting director. Damn. (laughs) Please. I would love to... (laughs) But yeah, that would be my that would be my take. I actually, how about you? As as a producer, uh, anything you say could maybe happen here. But what, what listen, would you want to add to this season? Listen, I think you all know what the hell I'm gonna say. Oh no, um, Titanic. It's Titanic. It's yes. Titanic. Yes. You're welcome. You're welcome. Nothing new on these sides. Um, I am literally fighting to be a part of this show whenever it comes back. I know that it is just don't know when I feel like every time that it has been set up to come back something happens like there was supposed to be there was a fully casted fully staged production um to happen right before shutdown and then shutdown happened and it was like okay Titanic's not happening um and so I don't know (sighs) Titanic please like call me (laughs) I want to be a part of this so badly um also like I know that once on this island just ended not too long ago but I would totally bring it back the same the same Michael Arden production like the same production with the same cast I agree with the same cast like yeah yeah. (laughs) I did not have an I I saw that show eight times and I don't think that was nearly enough like I needed more of it um and so yeah I mean listen I'm all for new works but I know people have hard ups about revivals, but like, look, a season would not be a season without a revival or two. Like, let's make space for the new work. But also there are there are many ways that you can reimagine a revival. And so that's one thing that I think Michael Arden did really well with Once on This Island. And there are a number of productions that have been reimagined and and created new productions from something that happened you know, years ago, decades ago. And so I am very thankful to be in a community with you all. Um, I love this podcast so much. I love the voices that you both bring. Um, And, you know, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, happy new year, happy birthday to me. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever that comes, New Year's Eve. Happy, how many episodes is this to us? 18 episodes we're, um, we're a legal adult now in america yeah. <laughs> happy happy adulthood to our pod happy yeah. adulthood and shout out to broadway podcast network that is doing such amazing work and giving people like us the platform to speak and be heard and i couldn't ask for a greater team at bpn and for letting opening the doors for both of you to be with me Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of What's Up Broadway. You can learn about What's Up Broadway at bpn.fm slash WUB and connect with us on Twitter at Network. Send us a hot tip at bpn.fm slash hot tip. And please make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating and tune in next year for another episode of What's Up Broadway. Yes, Yes. for season two in January. Yes, see you then. (laughs) 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 